Welcome to Beaks and Geeks. Today's guest is Claire McIntosh, the New York Times bestselling author of I See You, I Let You Go, and Now, Let Me Lie. This latest novel follows Anna, who is reeling from the two suicides of her parents, one quickly following the other. She has never been able to shake the feeling that their deaths were more complicated and sinister than they seemed. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pleased to talk to you. I found myself being very invested in the detective. Um, can you please describe Detective Murray for our listeners? I um, yeah, I love Murray. So I, I think he is absolutely the main character, actually. Um, and I'm thrilled that so many other readers have enjoyed him. So Murray McKenzie is a retired detective. He did 30 years as a police officer. And when he retired and was relatively young, he was in his early 50s, he came back to the police as a civilian. And he's working now as um, a uh, he, he runs the desk at the front of the police station close to uh, the town where um, Anna lives and Anna is is uh, our other central character and and Murray is um, he's he's a great guy he's full of compassion he's got lots of experience and knowledge about how uh, crimes work and he has been married for a very long time to a woman called Sarah who has borderline personality disorder. And uh, I, I loved writing their relationship. They, they've got a very solid, very long-standing marriage, and uh, they made me very happy to write. And you deal with um, Sarah's mental illness in a very tactful, very graceful way. Um, can you talk about your the resources that helped you? Well, I was a police officer for 12 years before I became a writer, and uh, I worked in Oxford, a city which has a fairly large number of um, hospitals dealing with people who are, are mentally ill. And um, what that means is, is that there's quite a big fallout from it. There are, are people who go missing from these hospitals or people that um, are more vulnerable to crime, either either being victim of crime or committing crime. And so I've had a, a fairly large involvement um in the world of, of mental health. And I think um, recently I've, I've thought about it more and more. I think that there are very few of us who aren't touched in some way by some form of anxiety or depression or, or our other kind of, of mental illness. And it's really important that we talk about it and that we normalize it because um, it should be no different to our physical health. You mentioned your experience in the police force. Um, was there anything in particular that you wanted to really, really include in the book that you don't see in thrillers generally? Just authenticity, really. <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that my police world that I wrote about was was real, that police officers spoke to each other the way police officers speak to each other in real life, that um, investigations were carried out the right way, but also I wanted to bring a sort of depth of human relationships into a police world. And so I, I wanted to write a book that was part mystery and police procedure, but part, I, I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure what the word is, um, that looked at the family dynamics, that looked at um, relationships between people. And um, uh, because that's what interests me about, uh, about the world. Something that I found very interesting about this book was the family home, um, the place that Anna grew up. 
Can you describe that house and why it's so important to the book? I can. It's uh, it's a very old house. Uh, it's probably 200 years old. It's a, a Georgian house. And uh, it has um, big square rooms with high ceilings and, and tall windows that run from, from floor to ceiling. Um, and she grew up in that house. She was, was pretty much born in, in the house. Her parents moved there when they were expecting her. And, um, and so it symbolizes family for her. Uh, and when her parents died and Anna inherited the house, there's no way that she, she could leave that house. It has too many memories, both good and bad, in it. Um, and I actually wrote, it, it, it's, it's very much based on, on my own house, uh, which we were in the process of buying when I was writing this book. And um, I'd, we, we'd been without a, a home, without a permanent home for quite a long time um, as, as we kept trying to buy houses and they kept falling through. And when we found this house, it happened to be just as I started writing this book. And so while we were waiting for all the legal stuff to go through, I was writing this house into my book. Um, and so when I read I read those scenes now, it feels quite bizarre because <laughs> Now we've we've lived in this house now for almost a year, and uh, it's not Anna's house. It's definitely my house. <laughs> um, I know that at least two of your books are um, inspired in part by news items that you come across or stories that you find that are true. Um, do you do you tend to get stuck on a news story? Are there other ones that you are interested in right now? I don't get stuck on them exactly. Occasionally. I'll see something that sparks an idea and I will bookmark it or I'll make a note of it somewhere. But actually, it's rare for me to go back to those ideas. Uh, it, it, I, I'm very much a, a one book at a time girl. I, I, don't, um, I don't cheat on my books. I, I just concentrate <laughs> on one story. And so the, the, in the case of Let Me Lie, there was a news story. It actually happened years and years and years ago in the UK it was quite a big headline story and uh, and I can't talk about it because it would spoil at least one of the twists. But it, um, it really made me think, the story, and, and I wanted to look at some of the elements of it that weren't reported in the news. I wanted to think about how it would affect other people on the periphery of, of this, this true life um, case. And so that was something that, that I, I just sort of started thinking about. And the more I looked into it and the more I researched, the, um, the more interested I became. I imagine that it'd be very difficult to plot a book like this because there's several um, perspectives, some flashbacks, some, um, of course, twists. So when you're writing a book like this, how do you plot it out? And are you very regimented? Do you outline rigorously? How do you go about things? I do outline. I do plot. I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite organised, and I, and I like the, the control of knowing what's happening. So I plot right at the beginning before I start writing, and I, um, I do it in a very low tech way with big sheets of paper and lots of post it notes, um, and I, I write down the main scenes and, and get my head around where they'll come in, in the book. And what I'm looking for is I put those scenes on 
on my paper is is the shape of the book. So I've got different coloured post-it notes for different points of view. So at a glance, I can see if I'm hearing from one person too much or not enough. And I also use it to help with pacing. And so if it's a scene that has lots and lots of adrenaline, it's a sort of supercharged scene, then it goes high up on the paper. And if it's a slower, more um, sort of measured pace, then it goes low down on the paper. And what that gives me when I've finished is a picture that should look like a roller coaster. It should be going up and down and up and down because it's those that contrast between the up and down that um, that causes the reader to, to turn the page. It, it's the it replicates the feeling that you get when you're on a, a real life roller coaster. What a cool thing to have to have like a visual representation of your book. That's so exciting. That's really cool. <laughs> Did you get advice from other writers or did you just sort of feel your way into that method? No, I just sort of made it up really. I mean, I, uh, using post-it notes is is very common among lots of different writers. Um, I haven't come across anyone else that, that looks for a visual roller coaster, but I'm sure there are lots of people that do. <laughs> um, when you're writing, do you let other people read your writing? Do you, do you ask for input or is it very much just you? It is just me what is it just me um my I speak to my editor and my agent Mm -hmm. and so before I start writing a book I have run my story past them and we've you know maybe chatted about a few things and then I'm on my own and then I write um and normally I write the whole of the first draft and uh, and then then I'll show it to them actually this the book I'm working on right now, I'm just a bit stuck halfway through and I could go in one of two directions, both of which would, would take the book in completely different um, different places. And because it's so different and because I'm a bit stuck, I've actually got a cool schedule tomorrow with, with both of them, my agent and my editor, to just help me thrash out where I'm going. So that happens occasionally, but no one else. No one else sees it, not my husband or friends or anyone else. It's... Um, strictly for my agent and editor that's great to have a couple people in your corner though if you need help like that yeah absolutely I think it's it's useful to have an objective point of view because you can get too close to a story but equally I, I I'm not sure it's helpful to have you know a dozen people's opinions because ultimately it's it's your book a lot of this book deals with some pretty difficult personal emotions there's um Anna is dealing with the death of both her parents and grief is very difficult to write especially because it's so um so different person to person um so were there any parts of the book that were especially difficult to write or especially or that just came very easily to you well uh, writing about grief is something that has featured in in two of my books so in in let me lie and also in my debut I let you go. Uh, and it's something that is both difficult and, and easy at the same time. It, it, um, it comes easily to me because I draw on my own experiences. So, um, I've, I, I've, I've lost a parent as many of us have. I've, I've lost a child as sadly, um, very many people have as well. And so I am able to, to tap into those, those feelings when when I'm writing um but at the same time that obviously makes it quite emotionally hard to write and so 
um, I can feel quite wrung out after writing those those scenes. Uh, from a more practical point of view, I, I find action scenes much harder to write and I have to really visualise them and quite often get out of my chair and work out exactly how would I be sitting in this car, you know, what, what movement am I making in order to, to, to do that? Um, I have previously been in the kitchen with my husband and a knife um, <laughs> working through a fight in um, in slow motion so that I can then go away and, and write down exactly what movements our, our arms are making. <laughs> That's funny. It's like a police reenactment almost. It, it is it, exactly like that. And because both of us used to be police officers. It's um, it, it's a very curious thing to find yourself doing in in your kitchen at home. <laughs> but useful to have another cop as well. So useful, and he worked in in very different departments to me, and so uh, together we've we've got a wealth of experience, which is handy. Oh, that's cool. So, have you ever asked him for a particular piece of advice that he's been helpful with? Yes, guns. So he, uh, so in in the UK, we are the police are not routinely armed. We don't we don't have very many guns at all. Yeah. Uh, but there is a there's one department in the in the police where uh, cops are armed, and uh, that's what he he did. And so whenever I need advice on guns, I always go to him. Interesting. So I know that you must read a lot of. Uh, thrillers and mysteries but are you reading anything any genre that you're loving right now I I read a lot I read um, between two and three books a week Um, a lot of crime thrillers but I'm finding more and more that I want a palate cleanser Mm -hmm. between um, thrillers Uh, I just want to change a pace and I've just um, just been recommending a book that I know is also out in, in the States. It's by a, um, an Irish author and it's not a thriller. It's, um, it's called How to Be Happy, but it's a novel mm-hmm. and it's by Eva Woods. And I loved it because it, uh, it, made, it made me cry a lot, but it also really filled me with joy and, and was a very thought-provoking um, novel with, with very, um, very endearing, engaging characters. So, so I've loved that. Uh, and then I, I and I do I, I love crime thrillers. I, I love Lisa Gardner's stuff in particular, um, Karen Slaughter. So too many books, not enough time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Um, well, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and congratulate you on the book. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice talking to you. You too. 